Merry Christmas, and Happy New Year. Welcome to another week of DQ with Demonia. It's great to talk to you all again about the beautiful sport of boxing, and I've got nothing but heat to throw your way. I am your host, Demonia Mater, and I am excited to be back in the podcast chair to deliver you the best weekly news around the world of boxing. Sadly, we've got some unfortunate news this week. One half of the Charlo brothers, the undisputed king, Jamal Charlo, has had to pull out of his title defense against Tim Su due to injury. Naturally, the haters of the Charlo brothers came in droves to question the legitimacy of the injury. Jamel, in typical Charlo fashion, responded with a flame-filled tweet, complete with images of his hand, cast, and doctor email out of a practice in Houston. I'll go ahead and read that for you guys now. Quote, 37 fights in, and I ain't never had to postpone nothing. I'll be back out or down from any man. This ain't no mental health issue. This ain't no sling you can buy at a pharmacy like Castaño did. I'm going to bounce back and give my supporters two fights this year. Stay tuned. Of course, Charlo, confident as ever, he will be back. It's insane that Charlo has to prove himself at this stage of his career. The man has done nothing but continue to put on dominant display after dominant display. The Charlo haters came after him for the Castaño draw, the first fight. He returned and knocked Castaño out in the second fight. And when the division needed an undisputed champion, Jermel Charlo rose to the occasion and accomplished what many can't do in their entire careers. It's unacceptable for the fans to treat Jermel like this, but then again, we have to remember that this is boxing. It is the loneliest sport in the world for a reason. According to Charlo, he won't be back until May or June of this year, so hopefully there can be a placeholder fight made in the meantime. Upon Charlo's return, he can hopefully face off against Tim Su or take on the interim WBC light middleweight champion Sebastian Fundura. Fundura has most definitely earned his shot against a star like Charlo, so there is no denying that a fight against a towering inferno will be nothing but fireworks for PBC. This weekend, Demetrius Andrade returns to the ring. I am very excited because he is one of my personal favorites in the scene, mostly because of how underrated he is. And I say underrated based upon my own personal opinion from what I've seen a lot of the boxing media. They tend to count Andrade out entirely, claim that he's fought nobodies, etc, etc. Mostly because Canelo said the same thing. I had the chance to meet Andrade back in October and I'm excited to see how he'll do now that he's signed a new lucrative contract with Premier Boxing Champions. Andrade went on TBV to talk about the state of the, of the super middleweight division and let his frustration out on those who have been avoiding him such as Canelo Alvarez and Jamal Charlo, who currently has a WBC belt at middleweight, despite the fact that he hasn't fought in over a year. The middleweight division has been stalled for quite some time, mostly due to the fact that Triple G has the IBF, IBO, and WBA titles, while Jamal only has one belt, Janabek has the WBO belt, and quite frankly, the belts are just scattered all over the place. It seems like none of the champions want to fight one another, which is a recurring theme in the weight divisions. The sanctioning bodies, it seems like it's impossible to get these fights together unless they want to force mandatory fights for each of the champions in question. Andrade vacated his belt after realizing there was little left to be done in the middleweight division, chasing greater competition at 168 pounds. His opponent, Demon Nicholson, is 3 for 4 in his last contest, two of those wins coming by way of knockout. Overall, Nicholson has only lost four fights in his pro career, so I believe he will be a great opening fight for Andrade's progression into the super middleweight division. Signing with PBC means that there are more lucrative fights lingering on the horizon for Andrade. He's got Caleb Plant for one, 
the dangerous Mexican monster David Benavidez, as well as David Morrell, the current WBA super middleweight champion of the world. If Andrade gets through Nicholson, hopefully he can get a crack at one of these three men. Best case scenario, a title shot against Morrell. Now, unfortunately, we have more issues in the welterweight division. Stan Jonas, a recurring theme, like I said earlier, in these weight classes, is just the fact that there are too many guys sitting on opportunities promised to them, sitting on opportunities that just quite literally are right at their fingertips, but they haven't had the chance to just grasp. Stan Jonas is one of these men. He's currently 14-0, and 0, nine knockouts out of his 14 wins and i don't see any reason why this man hasn't been given his shot against errol spence of course the fight everybody wants to see is terence crawford versus errol spence i'm not going to take away from that mega fight of course i cannot deny that that is the biggest fight in boxing potentially right now aside from ryan garcia and tank davis but still this man stan Jonas has been promised by pbc that the fight directly after Butaev, which happened last year, was going to be his last one, his last fight before he fights Errol Spence. Spence, three belts. Crawford, one belt. Stan Jonas now has a WBA regular championship. He is the second tier champion in the division in the WBA commission absolutely no reason why he hasn't been afforded this title shot he went on tbv and said he was told directly by al Heyman, his people everybody at pbc that the winner between him and butaev would fight the winner between ugas and spence that fight happened so long ago and this man hasn't been in the ring he he hasn't seen the four corners since and beyond that there hasn't been a contract slid across the table to him for Spence yet either. The fact that it's been this long and this man hasn't been in the ring nine months is ridiculous. And I hate seeing fighters like him just sit and waste away and waste just complete portions of their career just waiting for these opportunities to come to them. I mentioned Sebastian Fundora earlier. He is also one of these men, but at least he remains active. Stan Jonas, they're feeding him to Virgil Ortiz now instead of giving him the opportunity that they promised him. The Spence and Crawford negotiations fell out. Crawford signed to Black Prime. So now that fight is completely off the table right now. Once again, absolutely zero reason why Stan Jonas cannot be afforded that opportunity currently. A 60% KO ratio started his career in 2017. And like I mentioned earlier, he is a current champion at the moment. PBC has a long history of doing this to their fighters, and I, for one, believe that they need to completely reform their way of doing things. They can't continuously just sit on their hands with all this talent and just keep them on the shelf. It's, it's completely disrespectful to not just the fighters, but the fans as well. There are people who want to see Stan Jonas. There might not be super fans who are gassed up about him 24-7, posting about him like there are for people like Tank, like there are for people like Crawford, like there are for people like Spence. But you cannot deny the fact that Stan Jonas has worked hard to reach the top of his division. And at, with a perfect record, nobody can deny him. 
On the same card as Android is the pound-for-pound pound lightweight star, Gervonta Tank Davis. There are many fans who have been disrespecting Tank for taking a tune-up instead of jumping straight into the Ryan Garcia fight, which is happening in April. In my opinion, I believe this is utterly ridiculous. Hector Garcia, Tank's current opposition, is a world champion in his own right at 130 pounds, making a solid argument for fighter of the year after destroying the Chris Colbert hype train. Colbert was going on and on in the media about how he was going to dismantle Hector, giving the impression that it was going to be a complete walk in the park, saying he was going to knock him out. It really just gave shades of Floyd Mayweather despite the fact that he didn't have anywhere close to the amount of skill against him. In the words of Thanos, reality is often disappointing. Garcia walked through Colbert and then moved on to a WBA Super Featherweight Championship against Roger Gutierrez, who he beat by unanimous decision soundly. In my opinion, Hector is a top-class fighter who represents the Dominican Republic very well. He has earned his chance to be in the spotlight, both as a world champion and a relevant contender in the lower weight classes. However, there are detractors like the undisputed lightweight champion, Devin Haney. Devin spoke on the situation himself, claiming that Hector was subpar competition for Tank. During one of Haney's training sessions this week, he claimed that he and his father had to kick Hector out of his camp as a sparring partner because he wasn't good enough. I kicked him out of camp. He got kicked out of camp because I, uh, he couldn't yeah, keep he couldn't, up. He couldn't last. I, I sparred him for the JoJo Diaz fight. I think I sparred him like two, time, two mm. times or three times. I was shocked when I heard this news. I myself was unsure if this information was true until Haney decided to leak a sparring session between the two men himself. Judging from the film, Hector doesn't look like a bad fighter at all, and Haney may be over-exaggerating to get under Tank's skin. The boxing world is aware of how Haney feels about Tank. Being the undisputed lightweight champion, he clearly doesn't enjoy seeing Tank pride himself as a lightweight champion while he holds undisputed status with four belts. I believe that Tank has every right to call himself champion, especially when you look at the level of competition Tank has faced in his career. It's completely absurd to say that he isn't a champion at this point in time. He took on Pitbull Cruz, a monstrous power puncher capable of snatching any lightweight's chin out of reality. Tank took on Mario Barrios, a ruthless body puncher with enough height to cause trouble for most lightweights and welterweights. He absolutely obliterated Leo Santa Cruz, who was a world champion in his own right as well. To completely dismiss Hector would be an insult to both Tank and Hector. If Hector beats Tank, he could become a two-weight simultaneous world champion and potentially take on opponents such as the other Garcia, Ryan, who is looming in the background of all of this action. There is no doubt in my mind that Hector would be able to put up an excellent fight against Tank, judging as how well his punch selection looks. He has great power in his hands, and he's also very smart. Once again, I would like to I would like to stress this for everybody. Very smart footwork. He manages distance very well. I could see Tank having a hard time moving laterally against him. There's little question, little question, that Tank has his hands full with Hector, but first he needs to get past him in order to get, arguably get the biggest fight of his career. For Hector, the bulk of the weight is on whether or not he can live up to the expectations of his trainer and himself. He is a confident man with a lot to prove, seeing as how he wears a Fighter of the Year shirt while training during media conferences for PPC. After his last performance against Sandor Martin earlier, Teofimo Lopez has bigged up his chest, coming like a big man. 
had to spit a little patois because this man is confident. I've never seen a more confident fighter than Teofimo, and that's across my many years of watching this sport. Sometimes it's unbelievable how far Teofimo will go to prove his point, but this time many fans and promoters alike, myself included, are shying away from Teofimo's verbal jabs this time. Regis Progre, the current WBC champion at 140 pounds, has been the subject of Teofimo's latest verbal beatdown. He has supreme confidence. He believes that he will knock Progre out. And I completely disagree with that. If you watched Teofimo's last fight and compare that to Regis's performance against Zepeda, you will not, like, there's just no comparison. I don't believe that Teofimo is ready. He looked decent. And decent is not enough to beat a hungry fighter like Progre. Progre wants to become undisputed. His motivation is beyond anywhere Teofimo is at right now. Teofimo, he, he questioned himself after he won. When you question your victory, ask yourself, do you still have it? At that age, at that stage, it's just... It, it, I, I don't see it going any other way than failure for Teofimo right now. If he's to jump straight into this fight, he's going to get hurt and hurt bad. And those are the same sentiments expressed by Progre. He doesn't think that Teofimo has a chance against him. And it's completely obvious from the way he takes his training. He dances around, does pull up. Like, it, it, it's not enough to just be a showman against a pure puncher like Progre. Progre will drag you deep into the waters. He will last all 12 rounds against you if he has to. If you can't get him out of there, he will go all 12 with you and make you look bad. There's absolutely no way that this man Teofimo Lopez can think, process, and execute against someone like Progre. It's not possible. If he gets a new coach, if he takes a, a super long camp let's say like 12 week camp extended period of time maybe he will have a chance but as it stands right now Teofimo Lopez he has absolutely no shot against program I watched that fight live and I saw an absolute monster in program the Rougarou came out it was it was like poetry in motion watching program go to work against that man and it was nothing short of amazing to see him work that hard in the ring, even though he was taking a couple hits from Zepeda himself. Not saying that he didn't walk away unscathed. He did get hurt. He, he was hurt. He was hurt, but he continued to press forward. Those glancing shots that Teofimo was landing against Sandor Martin, those aren't going to be enough to stop Progre's forward pressure. Progre will put him against the ropes and Teofimo will be stuck. He has absolutely nowhere to go against somebody like Progre. Despite the fact that Progre is the smaller man out of the two of them. It's just not possible to fight the way that he's been fighting these last two fights. And take on take take on Progre. It's, it's just not possible. It's not. It's not enough. And if it goes all 12, I don't see him winning. I see him losing by unanimous decision. All in all... I'm very excited for this weekend's matchups. I can't wait to see Andre deliver a knockout victory. I am hoping that he does. Can't wait for Tank to get to work against Garcia, as well as all the undercard fights. Please do not skip those guys. Make sure you catch the undercard. 
I'm pretty sure that PBC they stream a lot of their undercard fights on YouTube prior to moving on to the main card. So make sure you hop on that YouTube live stream. I am your host, Damani Mater, and thank you for tuning in to another week of DQ with Damani. Once again, please enjoy the fights this weekend. If you're going to drink, drink responsibly. Merry Christmas and a very happy new year to you all. Stay safe.